Yechezkel chapter 14. So chapter 14 has two parts to it. The first part of the chapter has a very interesting verse that I want to dwell on for a couple of minutes. It begins by saying that certain people came and they came to me and sat down before me. And God said, These are sinners. These are people who have thoughts upon fetishes, set their minds upon sin. Shall I respond to their inquiry? They're coming to make demands, to inquire. Idoresh is an inquiry and a command. I'm not responding to them. I'm not going to respond to what they want. I'm going to tell them what I want. And what I want is a complete turnabout. So this is the demand that God makes. Don't tell me what you want. We can start having a conversation when you change your path. Then we can have a conversation. This first part of the chapter continues with the most interesting verse, which is chapter 14, verse number 9. It says the following, Vanavi kiyafutev diber davar. Ani Hashem pititi et hanaviyahu. Vinatiti et yodiolav. Vishmaditiv mitoch ami Yisrael. Vinasu avonam. Kavon hadoresh kavon hanavi yehiyeh. Roman loyitu old beit Yisrael meacharai. Loyitamu old bechol pishayhem. Voyugiguyam. Vani ayelohem lelohim. Numashem elohim. So verse number nine says the following. If a prophet is seduced, yifuteh, pitui is seduction. If a prophet is seduced and speaks a word to such a person, it was I, God, who seduced that prophet. I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from amongst my people Israel. Thus they shall bear their punishment. The punishment of the inquirer and the punishment of the prophet shall be the same that the house of Israel may never again stray from me and defile itself with all its transgressions. So this verse, verse number 9, is a very interesting verse, because the verse suggests, which we didn't see earlier, we've seen the condemnation of the prophet, in fact, in the last two chapters. But here the suggestion is that there may be times where the prophet is being seduced. That is to say, the prophet may even believe that God has spoken to the prophet. And in fact, what it sounds like is, it may be the case that the prophet is hearing certain things, but the prophet is being misled. Ani Hashem I have misled the prophet, and I will destroy that prophet who gives a false prophecy. But what it sounds like in the continuation, in verse 10, that the prophet will be punished, but those that inquire of the prophet will also be punished. The Doresh Nasu Avonam Kavona Doresh Kavona Navi. The one who inquires of the prophet and the prophet are all the same. They are both to be equally punished. Of course, one could ask the question, 
Why should the one who inquires of the Prophet be punished? If the Prophet is giving false information, if God is misleading the Prophet, and the Prophet misleads the people. So presumably the answer to that question is that the people should know, given the situation, and given the fact that other Prophets are saying otherwise, such as Yechezkel, the people are called upon to make a judgment about who is speaking the truth. What makes more sense? Which of the prophets leads them away from idolatry, away from other kinds of transgressions that are presented very vividly in the book of Yechezkel? So the verse actually places an enormous responsibility on the people. It's not just about, not just about the prophet. The people have an obligation to figure out which prophet is speaking the truth. That's the first half of chapter 14. In the second half of chapter 14, it's very interesting that here in the second half of 14, Yechezkel singles out people who may be spared from destruction, may be spared from punishment. The context is Ben-Adam. In verse number 13 of chapter 14, Ben-Adam, Eres ki If the land has sinned against me, Lim o mal, to commit a trespass. So there's a general punishment of the land. The people have sinned, transgressed, mal. And in verse 14, if there be righteous people in the land, and here the chapter singles out three people, Noach, Daniel, and Eov, they will save themselves. They will save themselves. Even if there's a general punishment for the land, wild beasts roam through the land in verse 15, desolation, but in verse 16, once again, they will save themselves, the land will be desolate, but they won't save their children, they won't save their sons, and they won't save their daughters. Or perhaps the sword, war will come through the land in verse 17, and in verse 18, Repeats it again, this time in terms of the, of the sword. These three people will be saved, but not their children. Verse 19, O Dever, or there be a plague. There be a plague. Verse number 20, Noach, Daniel, V'yov, Betocha, Chayoni, Numa Shemelokim, so the message over here, and this is a very important message in the book of Yechezkel that we will encounter later on, one of the really central themes of Yechezkel, they will save themselves. They won't be able to save the other. Here already in chapter 14 is the sense everybody is responsible for themselves. All people are responsible for themselves. One will not be saved because I have a righteous parent that won't save me. And later on in Yechezkel, of course, the converse is true. If I'm righteous and my parent was not righteous, 
I won't be condemned for the sin of my parents. That's a very, very important theme in the very famous chapter 18. We'll get there. And that seems to contradict what the Torah says. The Torah talks about God visiting the sins of the parents upon the children. But Yechezkel seems to have a different point of view. Whether it's reconcilable with the Torah or not is a good question. That's chapter 18. We'll get there. But it's already intimated in chapter 14. These three righteous people will save themselves but the children will not be saved on account of them. Whatever the punishment is, the sword, the plague, the famine, who are these three? So the names are familiar to us. Noah, of course, we're all familiar with Noah. And Noah did save himself. Actually, Noah saved also his children. We're not told the children are righteous, but Noah saves himself and the children. In the case of Eov, we're familiar with the book of Eov. We don't know who Eov is. Mystery. There, Eov's children actually die in the beginning of the book, but Eov himself is spared. At the end, his family is rebuilt. He has other children. But we're familiar with the book of Eov. It's a big book of the Bible, book of Job, of course. The question is, who is Daniel? So we are familiar with Daniel. There's the book of Daniel. We're very familiar with it. The question is, is the reference over here to that Daniel? who, according to the book of Daniel, would live pretty much around the same time as Yechezkel, whether the accuracy of the, the historicity is a different problem. But what is the connection between Daniel, Eov, and Noah? So Eov and Noah, it's very interesting. Noah, of course, is not a Jew. He's before Abraham, before there are Jews. He's called a tzaddik. He's called a righteous person. He's tzaddik, tamim b'darotav. And the same thing is true of Eov. There's no sense in the book of Eov at all that Eov is Jewish. In fact, it's fair to say that when the Torah speaks about God's theodicy, God's righteousness in judging the world, which Abraham raises the question, Shall the judge not, not do justice? Said Abraham to God in praying for Sodom. Maybe they're at Sadiqim, maybe they're innocent people. And the book of Eov is all about God's justice. In both of those cases, the question about the way God governs the world is raised not in Jewish terms at all, but in universal terms. It's about God and the world. It's about creation. It's about humanity. So the question is, who is Daniel? Daniel is very Jewish. He's the one that prays three times facing Jerusalem. And the question is, is Daniel of this particular verse the Daniel that we know from the book of Daniel? The consensus among most scholars is that Daniel here refers to somebody else. We don't know anything about this Daniel. He may be a non-Jew. You know nothing about him. But from the sense of the chapter, one does get the idea, perhaps, that Daniel is not the Daniel of the book of Daniel, but is somebody else. And it may even be somebody not Jewish. Somebody who represents the judgment, the justice of God. In the case of Eov, there's God's judgment. In the case of Noah, of course, God's judgment. And perhaps this Daniel is some other figure, perhaps a non-Jewish figure. And once again, a righteous person. Such righteous people are capable of saving themselves. But in the book of Yechesku, I am not going to be saved because of the piety of my ancestor. Everybody is judged individually. And that's the point of chapter 14. On the other hand, the point of chapter 14 is that Daniel, Eov, and Noah would be saved even under these circumstances even in plague and war, but these three will be able to save themselves. The righteous person 
truly righteous person will be saved. But the righteous person will not be the instrument for the salvation of others.